0: The Bible says this, after this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites and some of the Maonites declared war on Jehoshaphat and messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at on Tamar Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged the Lord for guidance. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. In your version it probably says to seek the face of the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in the front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed... O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and you are mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. And in verse 13 the Bible says that as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones. Wives and children. That the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel son of Zechariah son of Benaiah son of Jael son of Mattaniah, A Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said listen all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. So tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jerul. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Stand still. And watch the victory of the Lord. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Oh my God, we can open up the altar just with that alone. But this morning, I want to present to you this sermon. As you turn to your neighbor and tell him this. Tell him, take your position and stand still. That's all right. It's time for you to take your position and stand still. Father, we love you and we appreciate you, Lord. We thank you for the reading of your word, Lord. And we just pray for those that are here and for those that are watching online, Lord, that you would come through their hearts today, Lord. That you would answer those questions that they came with this morning, Lord. That you would build up their faith, mighty God. That you would give them what they need today to push through their circumstance to push through their situation father and we will give you all the honor and all the glory in jesus name amen you all may be seated in the presence of the lord amen today i want to just talk to you a little bit amen on this topic of of taking your position and standing still But I would like to start out this morning by saying that one of the greatest misconceptions of modern day Christianity, it actually comes from those that mount the pulpits. Can you say amen? This misconception, it comes from teachers, and it, it comes from, from preachers that, that stand behind pulpits just like this one that I'm standing behind this morning. Amen. And, and those teachers and preachers that, that claim that serving God, that claim that serving the Lord according to His Word, that claim that uh, uh, serving God according to, to His Word is a walk in the park. Some will stand behind these pulpits brother Daniel and they'll claim that, that with good intentions and and just the right amount of, of faith amen coupled uh, with a, a simple prayer of of just coming to the altar and and lifting up your hands and and accepting God and receiving God uh, amen or, uh, or or that a uh, uh, or a miracle seed that can 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 grow in the in the right soil or that somehow you will be granted shelter and immunity from the the difficult days that that we are going to see ahead in our life. Uh, Amen. They they stand behind there and even the rapture to come. But I want to say to somebody today that myself and others... That have been in the Lord for a little bit, that have been in the Lord for, for some time, that, that, that are, that are really serving God uh, according to His Word and that have taken off our will and, and put on His will. Uh, We, those that are serving God according to, to those things and, and that are diligent and that are in prayer and that are faithful and that are, that are doing the walk and they're not just talking the talk. uh, Amen. Those of the, those that are sold out for God. uh, those are the ones that will stand behind a pulpit. Uh, those are the ones that will stand before you face to face. Those are the ones that will stand before you and tell you uh, that every day in the Lord uh, is not always a hallelujah. That every day in the Lord is not always an amen. Uh, and it's not always a thank you, Jesus. We can test it. We can testify to that. Those that have have struggled. Those that have really surrendered themselves to the Lord and those that are not half-hearted. Those that are not serving the Lord uh, on the fence wondering if one day they're in or or the next day they're out or or only if they play the right song or only if the right brother's behind the pulpit uh, or only if this or only if that. Uh, I'm talking about the ones uh, that don't have their eyes fixed on man. Uh, I'm talking about the ones that have their eyes fixed uh, on the author and the finisher of their faith... Those are the ones, Brother Greg, that can say, uh, you got it wrong, buddy, uh, because serving God isn't always a piece of pie uh, with a cherry on top. Uh, I struggle every morning. Why? Uh, Because I gotta live in this nasty thing called flesh. uh, And guess what? Uh, Every day it's a struggle. Uh, My flesh wants to pray. Uh, My my spirit wants to pray, uh, but my flesh wants to sleep. Uh, My spirit wants to go to the house of the Lord, uh, but my Flesh wants to take me to the things of the world. And so it's a struggle. And so there's a huge misconception, Brother Ernest, uh, and it comes from those from behind the pulpit uh, that say nice things, uh, and they talk about uh, how rich you can become, uh, and just come to the altar. Uh, It's okay. Put down your 40 and receive the Lord. Uh, Now go pick it up and continue drinking. Uh, You don't have to repent. Uh, You don't have to be sold out. Uh, You don't have to be baptized. Uh, You don't need to speak in tongues. Uh, You don't need to be faithful. You don't need to be here Friday night in prayer. You don't need to be here on Wednesday night. Uh, You don't need to give your tithe. You don't need to. You could just stay drunk and make heaven your home. A huge misconception, a huge injustice that the men of God give the audience, the people, those that are, are looking for a better way, those that are, that have troubles, their, their wife is ready to leave, their husband is ready to walk out, they're on the verge of losing their home, and they're looking for a word, a true word that's going to get them through the day. Who likes to be lied to? i don't i'd rather you hurt my feelings with the truth than sugarcoat it with a lie amen because the bible says that it's the truth that's gonna set you free you go into the courtroom and you lie you get thrown in jail Amen they make you stand there and I know so I know none of you guys have ever seen it inside of a courtroom, but I have so I'll tell you how it goes you you walk in there and and you put your hand on a Bible and you raise your hand and they say, "Do you swear to tell the whole truth uh, nothing but the truth so help you God I do and you stand there and you begin to witness uh, you begin to testify uh, about the truth uh, and that's what God is looking for uh. He's looking for testifiers uh. he's looking for witnesses uh that are going to go out there and tell the truth. And so we stand behind these pulpits, and and there are those that will that, 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 say that the longer you've walked with God, uh, or the more time that you spend in prayer, uh, or the more consecutive Wednesdays, uh, or Fridays, or even Sundays, uh, that you come to church, uh, or even the more ministries that you lead, uh, you know, oh, I got all these hats, brother, uh, I'm this in the church, and I'm that in the church, uh, and I do this, and I do that, uh, and I do this, and I do I do that. uh, Or or the ones that say, I give more than everybody here. Uh, You ought to check my tithe, pastor. I should be an assistant pastor already because of all the money that I've given uh, to the church uh, or all the offering that I've been given to the church. But somewhere along the line, uh, somehow these people think uh, that because you've done all of these things, uh, that you ought to be granted some smooth sailing. exactly it's quite the contrary because the deeper you get in how many of you have swimming pools barbecue at her house huh you know there are those like me that i don't float i might look like i float but i don't float okay I stay where I can fill the ground and I don't have to work so much. Amen. But there are those that are a little younger and a little stronger that jump into the deep end and they're like this all day. And, And there are those that are in the church that because they're like this all the time, They feel like they should be granted certain things. And one of those things is, I shouldn't be struggling i I pray and i and I fast and I give my tithes and I give my offering and i and I usher at the door and I greet everybody and i I'm nice to everybody, and I show up and I even clean the church and and I do this and I do that and I give my alms and I give everything that I have, I do all this. Why am I struggling? Because the deeper you get in God, the more work you're going to have to do. The deeper of a relationship with that I have with my wife is a, a, it's it's gonna cost us some work. And so so as you and I, as we mature, everybody say mature. Amen. We we don't wanna be a, a bunch of little babies, spiritual babies with diapers on, run, running around the house of the Lord for 20 years. Can you say amen? Hey, where, where you you don't mature and you don't grow and and you walk in and you're still this tall, amen. Uh, and and you're running and you gotta run up and jump on the seat and your feet dangle because you don't grow spiritually. And so as we, we begin to mature and as we begin to grow in the things of the Lord, uh, and, and the longer that you walk with God and the longer that you, you talk with God and the, longer, the more you get to know God, uh, the more that God calls you uh, to assignments uh, and His way of living, uh, it's not going to be comfortable and it's not going to be convenient. So, if you're looking for comfort and convenience, then God's not for you. Amen? Because He, even He sacrificed on the way to the cross. Can you say amen? And you see, a lot of us want to, we we want the cross. But we don't want the whippings. We want the cross. But we don't want to wear the crown of thorns. We want the cross. But we don't want to be lashed. We want the cross. But we don't want to take the walk. We want the cross. But we don't want to put the work in. We want the blessing of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But we don't want to put in the work. Can somebody say amen? Because hashtag this, brother, it's not long, I promise. Those of you that are at home, please listen. That as we mature, as we grow, as God calls us to certain assignments, it's going to get uncomfortable. It's gonna cost us something. It's not gonna be convenient, cause now you're gonna to have to rearrange your schedule, and see where where God fits. Hallelujah. Where does God fit on my schedule? Some of us have them at the top. Some of us have them in the middle. Some of us have them at the bottom. Some of us don't even have them on the list. And and so so the more we 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 say I do to the Lord the more we, we 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 bond in this marriage the the more that we grow in our relationship in our marriage to the Lord You're going to find out that God has a way of growing you through pa- painful predicaments Yesterday we were talking about in the Bible, the, Brother Ernest brought an awesome message at our men's gathering yesterday, and he was talking about Romans chapter 8 and the Apostle Paul, how, how he, Apostle Paul, as godly as he was, as, as anointed of God as he was, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was a God's right-hand man. He was there in the struggle, doing the things of the Lord, preaching and teaching and being stoned and being whipped and being incarcerated and out there floating in an ocean and doing all kinds of things. His own people came up against him. And then remember when he came to the house of the Lord, when he got converted, the people in the church didn't even want to receive him. His own brothers, the ones that should be front and center to help you, the ones that should be front and center to say, whatever you need, brother, I got your back. Those were the ones that turned their back on him. But you know what he did? He persevered, brother. He he pushed through and he says, man, and and he even said it. He goes, the things that I want to do, I don't do. But the things that I I should do are the things that I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do are the ones that I'm doing right now. And I can't find my way out of it. But what does he say? He says, but God... made everything right for him and so there's gonna be a battle church there's gonna be a battle of of what i should do and where i should go but as long as you put god in the center as long as you make him his as long as you make him your lord and not just your savior You see, we want we want the Savior. Save me, Lord. Take me out of this mess. Save me. Take me off the cross like the thief said. Take me down. Get me out of here. Get me out of my situation. But they didn't want the Lord in their life. Because the Lord tells you what to do. The Lord tells you where to go. a Lord tells you how to live. a Lord tells you where to sit. a Lord tells you where not to sit. a Lord tells you what you're going to do and not what you want to do. The Lord. And so there's a huge misconception that people standing behind the pulpits are saying, oh, he's your Savior. Well, what about the Lord? Who's Lord over your life? Who's lording over you? Some might say their husbands. He's my Lord. No, he just tells you what to do. He ain't your Lord. Because then that would make him your Savior. And my wife's not my Savior, brother. I got to get back to the message. But I'll prove it to you. Because the Bible says in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, The brother James says this. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In other words, don't be mad. Don't be angry because you're going through a little some-some. Don't boo-hoo. Don't start whining and complaining because you got a little trial going on. You know why? Because Brother James, uh, he understood that the way God grooms you uh, and the way God grows you and the way God matures you uh, is to release you into a situation that doesn't always feel good. And, And the best way that I could put that, brother and sister, is that whenever you're in the struggle of your life, Whenever you're in the struggle of your life, that's when you're going to find out that you're a student in God's classroom. Amen. The minute struggle hits, whatever the struggle is, you're going to find out that you are now a pupil, that you are now a student, and God is the teacher. And so, if we find ourselves, uh, you see, because God has a lot of classrooms, brother. He's got a whole lot of classrooms, and not everybody is taking the same class. Amen? Because I have found that when I am struggling financially, then I am a student in God's uh, class of stewardship. I have found that when I am struggling with the fences, that I am sitting in, as a student in the front row seat in God's class of forgiveness. That when I find myself struggling with heartaches, then I know that I find myself sitting in the classroom of not living in yesterday. Struggling with anxieties, then you're in the class of learning how to what? Trust in the Lord. Anxious about that and anxious about this, well, give it to God. God can do a much better job. And you know, we come to the Lord, brother, and we're we're like a puzzle. Some of us 100 pieces, some of us 500 pieces, some of us 1,000. Some of us are 5,010, big old portrait. And that's not a bad thing. But you know what God does? He takes out all the pieces and he starts to put them where they need to go. And guess what he does? Have you ever had a a puzzle that's been in the closet for a little bit and and you're already almost done and you're missing three, four, five pieces? And it's always the ones that are right in the center where everybody's going to see the hole in the eye or in the face or somewhere? Amen? Because how do we put a puzzle together? The easiest way is to start with the outside, right, the border. Give me all the flat ones. right? Give me all the flat ones. And we start to put them together and that's what God says. You know what? Just leave your mess right here and I'm going to start putting it back together for you. But you got to trust what I'm going to do. No, Lord, that piece don't go there. Hold on a second. I'm putting it together. You just watch. Be still. Take your position and be still. But we want to, we want to, God's hand. God's hand. Not right there, God. This one goes over here, and you're pushing it and trying to do something, and you find out it doesn't, and you're looking around hoping nobody saw you because you're just trying to put a a, a, a square in a in a round circle. God says, "I told you. Just position yourself right there and be still." Amen. And so, so we're going to find ourselves in God's classroom and, and, and we're going to find ourselves as students. And, and he's going to be the, the best teacher to have is, is God Almighty. The best teacher. He's not going to teach you wrong. He's not going to give you bad information. It's not going to be outdated. It's not going to be an old ripped up textbook. It's going to be his word. And his word is truth. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause this morning? And so I don't know what classroom you, you find yourself in today. And I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't even know if you're passing the class or if you're failing the class. But you know what the Lord showed me in all of this? That the most difficult class that you and I will ever have to take. The most difficult class, and I know everybody's going to agree with me, that the most difficult class that we are all going to have to take in our lifetime is the class that teaches us how to stand still. How they say it in Spanish, Tate quieto. No te muevas. O te agarro con el... Con el cinto. Right? Stand still. And so when we look at the word stand in the Hebrew, that word is this word. Everybody say Yetzab. 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 That means to stand. That means to, to, to set or station oneself. That means to be firmly rooted and upright. Amen? It means to, to be firmly, on firm ground, firmly rooted and upright, in an upright position. That's what he's telling them. I need you to to stand there and I need you to dig in your heels. Uh, I I need you to stand there and be rooted uh, and and position yourself. uh, But I need you to not be leaned over. I I don't need you to be forward or backwards or sideways uh, or tied up to anything or anything holding you up. Uh, I need you to be standing there uh, and I need you to be upright. Because you know what sin will do? It'll cause us to, to bend. You know what circumstances do? It'll cause us to buckle. You know what issues do? It'll cause us to, to walk away or even to run. And he says, it don't matter what's coming your way. Remember, we're resilient. It don't matter what's coming your way. I need you to stand there, position yourself, and be planted, and be straight upright. You ever tell your kids, hey, stop slouching at the table. Sit up. They're all like this in the chair with dinner in front of them, and they're all. Hey, man. You tell them, I need you to sit up straight and eat your food. Or when you tell them, no. (laughs) Huh? You tell them, "No, no. There's some adults like that, too. Amen? You know, Walmart's got it down. They put the big old gumball machine at the door on the way out. That's why they, it's a marketing strategy. That's why they put all the candies and chips and honey buns and donuts. Oh, man, even for me, I got to, I got to wait in the car sometimes. Because I'm walking out with Funyuns and chocolate donuts and a Kit Kat bar. And it's all on the way out. And I seen this little kid one time at Walmart whose mom didn't want to give him a quarter for the gumball machine. And you know how it's pretty cool. It goes like this for a little bit and then it comes out. You know what this kid did when his mom said no? He threw himself on his back. I was like, whoa, did that hurt? It scared me. I jumped back because I heard the thump, thunk. And and his, he had the loudest scream. His mouth opened and like three seconds later, a big old scream came out. Right after his mom told him, just stand right here and stop moving around. Just stand right here and be quiet. Just, I bought you, she was arguing with, I bought you some stuff. And I saw the belt. They had some stuff on there for him. And that's how some of us are. Where God's just telling us, hey, I just need you to stand there. Don't worry about nothing. I know it's raining outside. I know it's windy. I know there's a big storm coming. I know there's a hurricane in your life just stay right here where it's safe. I got you. You know, our children are close to us. We keep them close for a reason. Why? Because we're going to protect them. We're going to provide for them. We're going to construct them the right way. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure that they're taken care of, that they're protected, and that nobody harms them. And it's the same thing with God. That although you might be 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, you're still his child. You still have a father in heaven that loves you and that cares about you and that's going to bend over backwards for you. But you got to be still. You got to stand and be still. I like this when I looked for, when I looked at it in the Hebrew, uh, the, the word still. It's mama. It's mama. M-A-M-A-H. Mama. You know what that says? It means to keep silent and to be quiet. So you know what he was telling Jehoshaphat? Because Jehoshaphat was going crazy. Oh, my God, they're coming to get me. Oh, my God, lock the gates. Oh, my God, the armies are coming to get me. They're coming to kill me. And God said, hey, I need you to take your position. I need you to stand there and be upright, but I need you to shut your mouth. That, that's in my version. He said, I need you to stand there and I need you to be quiet, Joseph. You're making it worse, brother. I know some wives are like, you're making it worse, Joseph. You're looking crazy right about now, bro. (laughs) All over the place. And God says, hey, just trust me, man. I got you. I'm not going to let nothing happen to you. I'm going to, as a matter of fact, here, get on. And he's going to carry you in the palm of his hand. What do we do we get impatient we start running around and oh my god the sky is falling and chicken little and and we start screaming and yelling and and the neighbors can hear us and and down the street and we're throwing trastes and we're doing all kinds of stuff and and god says hey just shush. i got it i know where you're at i see you that's what he was telling jehoshaphat i looked in there and i said, why did he tell him to stand simple. Everybody just go like this. And while you're doing that, God's working everything out. Cuz you know what our mouth does? Y'all know, I don't have to tell you. I know. I said, just stand still. That in everything you go through, God says, we must learn to stand firm and be silent. Have you ever had one of those moments where, where, where you actually refrain from saying something and and you refrain from talking out loud and you refrain from giving your your, your two cents? When you refrain and then you find out later that everything gets worked out. And that's what God is saying. Hey, just be quiet. Just stand still. No digas nada. I bet you there's people on camera like this right now. Over there in their living room. And it's biblical that we stand still. It's biblical. It's not, oh, pastor, you're just throwing that out there. No, it's biblical. Because the Bible says in the book of Job, chapter 37 and verse 14, the Bible says, listen to this, oh, Job. This is the Lord talking to Job. He says, I want you to listen to me, Job. I want you to hear me out this morning. I want you to hear me out. First, he starts off with, he says, first, I need you to stand still. I need you to plant yourself right there and stay quiet. Stop talking. Because, you know, some of us have it all figured out and we got the answer to everything. And God's just saying, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Just stand still, Job. Job didn't understand. Job lost his money. He lost his house. He lost his kids. He lost his cattle. He lost his wealth, He lost it all. And can you imagine me that I'd lose something? I'm like, like all over the place. And I'm impatient. I lose my keys. I, well, you know, we forget our phones. We lose it. We go all the way home. We, we make ourselves late from work to work. To go all the way back. And Job had a lot to be impatient about and i get it we're gonna go through trials and we're gonna go through struggles and we're gonna have heartache in our life and and we're gonna go through certain things and some of us uh more than others uh, some of us less than others but nevertheless uh, job was going through something that was big and god told him job i need you to stand still and consider the wondrous works uh, of the lord Stand still and watch me work, baby. That's what he was saying. He says, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. We all know because of his obedience and his his faithfulness and his uprightness and the fact that he stood still when his friends and his, his wife and everybody was coming up against him, you know what he did? He stood still and he stayed quiet. And God blessed him. He blessed him. I believe the Bible says tenfold or a hundred. Somebody correct me. Even tenfold is good. Amen? But we also find it in the life of of the Israelites in the book of of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says that, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid and stand still. Moses told the people, don't be afraid, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today, because the Egyptians that are behind you, whom you see today, you're gonna see no more. Uh, The Bible says that the Lord will write, the the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Moses and the Israelites uh, were standing at the Red Sea. They had nowhere to run. They had nowhere to hide. The Egyptian army was there on their trail. And the man of God told them to take their position and stand still. And so today, I stand behind this pulpit to tell you that God wants for you and I to take our positions and stand still. In whatever it is, take your rightful position in God. You know that you guys have authority? You know that you have power, sister? Because the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that after you receive the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you will receive power. So every one of us in this room right here is a powerful individual. Not only are you powerful, you're royal. You're royal, brother, you're royalty. You see, the enemy will come in and make you think you're trash, but God doesn't make trash. He will make you think you're nothing. He'll make you think you're insignificant. And he'll blast you with low self-esteem and all these complexes and everything else. But God wants you to know that you're royal and that you're peculiar and that you're a holy nation. And that you're full of power. We got to start, church, we got to start walking in that power. You know, when you roll out of bed and your feet touch the ground, the devil should be already on notice. To start walking in our power and in our authority God we're not being Christian is not sissified and it's not being weak and it's not to uh, be it's being strong and confident and, and powerful we gotta walk in the confidence that God has given us and it's not pride it's confidence that I'm a man of God I'm a woman of God uh, why God's not behind me he's not in front of me he's inside of me Because if he's walking in front of you, that means he's got to drag you. And if he's walking behind you, that means you're dragging him. He's in us. Can you say amen? Give God a round of applause this morning. And so now that we're done with the introduction... In the portion of scripture that we read, it speaks of a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. Amen. And the Bible lets us to know that King Jehoshaphat is the king at that time. And I'm going to kind of fast forward because there's a couple points that I want to give to you that I think that are are necessary for us to know. You might not need them right now in your life, but maybe you know somebody that does or or you're going to need them. But there's some powerful stuff that happens in this story that we read. And I believe that God was trying to show Jehoshaphat two things. He was trying to show him, Brother John. And the first thing is this, is that he needed to endure the evil of his enemies. Ooh. Somebody say, ooh-wee. Just like that, sister. He was trying to, he, you see, Jehoshaphat didn't know what was going on. Right away, he started running around all over the place. I mean, he did the right thing by calling the people together, right, to proclaim a fast. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? He said, come on, everybody. He got everybody in the church or he got everybody in the street. He got everybody out. He says, call everybody, everybody, all of the people in the town. Bring them out here. We're going to fast and we're going to seek the Lord. Many a times we forget that part. We forget that part. And then we call ourselves good problem solvers. Amen? Because it's us solving this problem and solving that problem and solving this problem. Oh, man, I work, I work better under pressure. No. Give God the pressure. Give God the battle. Give God the fight. Some of us look forward to the good fight. Man, I haven't had a good fight in a while, brother. Ah. God says, ain't no need for you to do nothing. I got it. And so two things he was trying to show Jehoshaphat. And the first thing is this, is that he needed to endure the evil of his enemies. So what the Lord was basically telling him was that I want you to let them plot. I want you to let them plan. I want you to let them manipulate. I want you to let them deceive. I want you to let them do whatever they want. I want you to let them lie. I want you to let them run their mouths. I want you to do, let them do all these things. And you know what I want you to do, Jehoshaphat? I want you to stand there and be quiet. Somebody say, that's hard. Come on, somebody say, that's hard. That's hard when somebody's lying on you or somebody's gossiping on you or somebody's manipulating you or deceiving you or doing certain things and God says, shh, shh, just stand there and stay still and don't say nothing. That's tough. Young brother said, that's tough. Because right away we want to put up our dukes or we want to say something or we want to we throw something. We want to do something. To, what do you mean just stand there and stay still? God said, Jehoshaphat, I just need you to stay there. and Be quiet. Don't say nothing. Don't even look over there. Because remember... The Moabites hooked up with the Amorites who hooked up with the Edomites. Now, this is important. And it's important because none of them liked each other. Isn't that some kind of evil, brother? That's some kind of evil. That is some kind of evil that if I don't like brother Daniel, I'm going to hook up with him anyways because I hate brother Ernest. Amen? And so these three armies, they didn't even like each other. But all of them had something in common. They all three hated Jehoshaphat. And that's evil when two people that don't even like each other, and you know they don't like each other, they get together only because they hate the sister or because they both hate the brother. And God was telling him the whole time, just let him leave it alone. Stop it already. Amen. And so he told them he needed to endure the evil of his enemies. And two, as we come to a close, he needed to resist the reflex for revenge. You know, revenge is a weight. There are some things that I consider to be heavy. I can deal with, I can deal with the shenanigans. How many of you have ever called shenanigans? Brother Richard used to call it all the time. I, I call shenanigans. He's leaving again early, I call shenanigans. He'd be, hey, boss, can I leave early? No, I need you. "Ah, I call shenanigans. Everybody was throwing shenanigans at work. We can deal with the petty stuff, amen? Kind of brush that off. It's not worth my time. It's not worth the energy. It's not worth the effort. But God doesn't even want us to. He doesn't want us to deal with the petty, and He doesn't want us to deal with the big. He wants us to walk right by it. He wants us to walk right by and not even say nothing, not even look at it, not even acknowledge it, not even say, hey, look at that. Nothing. Just keep on walking. And, and in your prayer time, when you have that time in your closet and you close the door, you, you go before the Lord and you you lord this is what's happening this is what i saw this is what's going on this is my circumstance this is my you know that's your time to unload that's your time to to take off that weight you know a lot of times we we have the tendency to to play telephone amen my wife taught an awesome message on that to the ladies about how when you play telephone that when you say something on this end by the time it reaches the third or fourth person the story is all twisted there was fighting going on somebody got arrested and nothing even happened And God was telling Jehoshaphat, hey, I see what's coming. I see that there are three armies coming up against you and you're only one. He goes, but I just need you to take your, what's your position? My position is in you. Okay, take it and be quiet. Let me fight it for you. Let me work it out for you. Let me open the door for you. Let me close those doors that need to be closed. He was teaching Jehoshaphat a lesson. And that's, that's what, what the Bible is about, is teaching us lessons. Dealing with our character, dealing with our attitudes, dealing with our lives, dealing with those ugly things that are on the inside. I could sit here and, and if I made you walk away happy-go-lucky and feeling like you're going to be a millionaire, I did not do my job. But if I made you feel bad, if I made you feel convicted, and I got you to repent and to change your ways, then I did my job. Because you'll live a better life. You'll walk out of here feeling freer. Man, that was exactly what I'm going through that's exactly what's, that's what's been taking me out this whole time that's, what, that's the Bible says to, to lay aside those weights that so easily beset you lay it down he was telling Jehoshaphat don't worry don't sweat it don't sweat the small things he says but I need you to resist the reflex for revenge you know, most people miss this part. Because when you read 1 Chronicles and you go into 2 Chronicles and you see how the children of Israel, they went from Egypt into Canaan. All along the way, remember, they were there for 40 years and they were going through some stuff. And God told them, I need you to resist the, the temptation for Revenge. I need you to resist the temptation. Why? Because those three armies, those three armies had come across them in Egypt or in in the wilderness when they left Egypt. And you know what they did? They gave them a pass. And so I can imagine the frustration for Jehoshaphat. I can imagine his anger like, man, this is how you're going to repay me? This is how you're going to pay me back for allowing you and your family to go through out there in the wilderness. We didn't attack you. We didn't nothing. We didn't say nothing to you. We gave you safe passage. We watered your animals. We gave you bread. We gave you all these things and now you're coming up against me? Have you ever been there? Where you do something nice for somebody, or, or you're, 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 you're breaking your back for somebody, or you're doing something uh, uh, and you're being godly to, to somebody, and then they repay you with negativity. And so I know that Jehoshaphat was like, man, scratching his head, man, I should have killed you when I had the chance. But God said, no. No revenge. Position yourself. Stand still. And trust in the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Let us all stand this morning, amen. I believe that somebody today is struggling. with allowing God to be God and I get it because I'm strong willed too I'm strong willed and and I could do this you know us as men brother Javier we, we could do this we got this but remember it's not our will It's His will. And His will says to go find an altar and to lay it down at my feet. Take your position at the altar. Be still. And allow me to operate. The Bible says in the second book of Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, then, when you do that, when you come to an altar and you humble yourself and you pray and you seek his face and you repent and you turn from your wicked ways, he says, then, I will hear from heaven. And forgive you of your sins. And then I will heal your land. land. Church, there's things that you and I have to do to receive God's blessings. There are things that we have to put in order. There are things. There's a structure. There's a, a structure, a foundation that needs to happen before God can start building a house on it. We're missing the altar. The opportunity to come before God and say, God, I messed up. I messed up. I said this or I did this or whatever it is. God just, He just wants you. This altar is open.